0: And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
1: Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website couplesynergy.com. and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years.
0: You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with.
1: You know, in today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about social media. I shouldn't say a little bit about, we're going to be talking a lot about it. I know in the past, in other episodes, we've talked about social media But we just happened to see the documentary social media on Netflix. And it's pretty scary. Yeah. It is really scary. It actually echoes a lot of the concerns that we have talked about when it comes to relationships, you know, between partners.
0: And, you know, one of the quotes that they have in there, if you could read that, is about the subtle change.
1: So one of the, the quotes by Jaron Lanier, he is the founding father of virtual reality, he said that it's gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception that is the product. In the past, we have talked about how social media, being on screens specifically, can Create a separation between partners. It gets in the way. It becomes this wedge driven between the two of them.
0: Well, our number one commodity is our attention. And if you're giving your attention to something else, then you have to take it away from wherever you were giving attention, right?
1: And we don't have to look very far to find something that is vying for our attention. You know, if you have little kids, kids need your attention, and rightly so. But then it's our jobs, it's our bills, obligations, extended family, friends. And now in today's day and age, it is social media.
0: I know we've talked about this before, about this, you know, this idea that if your kid was like, dad, 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 it would kind of drive you crazy. But when your phone does it, when your phone's like, it doesn't feel annoying. It feels exciting. It feels like it has something for you. And they talk about this being the same premise as slot machines. You know, that maybe this time, maybe this time. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not. If there is anything for you or not, that dopamine hit that you get just from hearing the buzz like, oh, something for me.
1: Hearing the buzz or feeling it, you know, in your mm-hmm. pocket or just hearing it on the counter, it instantaneously gives that dopamine hit in your brain. And and subconsciously and consciously, you are starting to think about what the notification is about, right? You know, there was that one experiment where they brought in all of these toys and candy into a classroom full of kids. And they brought in this box and they told all the kids that you can eat all the candy. You could play with all the toys, all you want, but do not open this box. And they left the room and the first thing the kids did was open the box, (laughs) right? Because the curiosity is just too much for our brain to handle. We need to know. And that is really what our devices now are playing preying on, the fact that we need to know, we want to know, we want to get that attention. We want to know who's, who's interested in us, who wants to contact us, who wants to talk to us. And it's not getting any better. It's actually getting much worse. You know, every day there's a new app that's coming out where it is just a new angle on getting attention.
0: And an even better angle.
1: An even better angle yeah. or a, a better angle for you, mm-hmm. right? Because we all need attention in different ways. And so all these apps are are being designed in a way to grab, you know, your attention, your specific attention in the way that you need it.
0: Who in the world would you want to see everything you're looking at on your phone? Is there another person that, that, that you'd be like, I'm so... Uh, passionate to share with you my collection of interests and things that I look at on my phone, or is it something that you feel defensive about or protective and and uh, private about? Because those are always the things that are associated with shame that make us keep secrets that actually deteriorate not just us as human beings, but our especially our relationships. And they were talking about in this documentary about girls.
1: 15 to 19 and 10 to 14. And after 2011, um, there were some sharp increases in depression, anxiety, and hospitalization for self-harm. Teenage girls ages 15 to 19 was up 62%. And then ages 10 to 14, it was up 189%, which is just staggering. And also, in regards to suicide, ages 15 to 19 was up 70%, and ages 10 to 14 was up 151%.
0: Now, when we started working in the field in 1994, 95, mm-hmm. a girl that was hospitalized for self-harm was for sure being abused in some really direct way, physically or sexually, by a person important in her life, someone that lived in the home with her or was in the family unit or was a a close neighbor or coach. Like that's what we're talking about. That's how much damage we're talking about that would drive a young person to self-harm would be such an extreme violation of pain. But now we're seeing that with people who are desperately needing approval from their peer group And how easy it is for someone to be very careless with them and hurt them at that level that drives them to self-injury.
1: Right. When it comes to rejection and abandonment, it is just, it is exponential. The impact that social media has and, you know, how a teenage girl can be affected in such a negative way by her peer group. And now now it's not just going to school and being surrounded by her peer group and maybe getting negative attention in that way, but now it's 24 seven.
0: So when we look at the domestication of boys and girls, boys are domesticated to try to become number one, whether they're the best athlete or the best student or really good at something, even if that means they're gonna have to, um, you know, knock down the kid in front of them to get to the goal. Girls are socialized to seek approval, to be attractive, to be likable, to be agreeable. And I think that's why those younger girls have so much more of a susceptibility. I think the boys do too. They just catch up a little bit later.
1: One of the other quotes that was presented in the, in the documentary was really, really impactful and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to quote every single person that was featured in the documentary. I, we really encourage all of you to check it out and, you know, make your decisions for yourself. But one of the quotes was that we were, were evolved to think about what people in our tribe think well of us or not, but we were not evolved to think about what 10,000 people think of us.
0: And so it's hard enough, you know, to just look at your peer group that you go to school with. Right, when I was a kid, I don't even think I knew too many kids in other schools. like That was my whole world. You're pre-internet uh, as well, so that was your whole world. Jeez, could you imagine what someone in another state thought or <laughs> another country? This is so big, so big. And anyone, you know, they talk about negative energy travels six times faster than positive energy. Well, interestingly enough, according to this movie, fake News:
1: Travel six times faster than truth, truth.
0: Yeah. And so and it doesn't care. It doesn't care whether something's true or not. Mm-hmm. It cares if it gets your attention and potentially can sell you something or get you to shift. And that's a really interesting thing, because, you know, if you grow up in a world like I grew up in, I grew up in a Catholic world, so everything I knew was Catholic, and that was the world. I didn't have an option to critically think about something different. That's all I knew. That's how I was raised until I, you know, got older and was exposed to things. But wherever you're, you're born is, that's your culture, that's what you're exposed to. There's not even that sense of that yet before kids are exposed to so much more to even try to think. Another thing I thought that was interesting is that the majority of people involved In the creations of social media are very young 20 or 30 years old you know i think historically in the world people who had the leading edge were probably a group of people that ranged in age certainly it wasn't the 20 year olds driving stuff not 30 40 years ago you know it was the 40 or 50 year olds and there's even people who had typically more life experience right and had that like this could impact in mm-hmm. multiple ways, but there's no older people involved in the creation of all this stuff, which I think is it's an interesting thing in terms of the perspective of the tribe You know, when you're, when you're concerned about what your tribe thinks about you and you have one person that is saying something negative about you for whatever reason, you probably have a whole chunk of other people saying, don't think about that. Or, you know, you're fine or, you know, be your own person. And so it kind of holds you more intact even when someone disagrees with you. I don't think the tribe is seeing all the negativity coming towards a person, especially teenagers.
1: Well, one of the concepts that was brought up in the documentary is that social media is eroding the fabric of our society. And, you know, the implications that it was making was not only on, on society and politics and democracy, you know, but what we are actually seeing... And what we are actually commenting on is more of a microcosm and how it is impacting couples and their relationships specifically and how, if it can, if it can affect democracies and countries in the world, then it absolutely is affecting relationships at home.
0: Yeah. They talk about people being more anxious, more depressed, and more... Less likely to take risks. Less
1: likely to take risks. And we've talked about this in past podcasts Mm -hmm. and how it's important for couples to take risks. So I I, I can't help but feel a little bit like contradictory because in the beginning of our podcast, we say, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Right. And so it, it feels kind of like a double edged sword because social media does promote a lot of good there is a lot of connections that it is making and helping facilitate in this world among people who would normally not be connected to each other but at the same time there are consequences right and there there i there are consequences for everything yeah, i think it's the balance right it is the balance and and that's where you know we are coming from as far as that balance within a relationship and how to find that balance because it's not, it's not a specific number. It's not a finite number. It is something that each couple has to find within their own relationship and it takes communication. It takes working together. It takes, you know, being on the same page, having a common vision and all of that takes work, right? And one of the things that really stuck out to me, among many, in this documentary was that social media, specifically, what it does is it tilts the playing field, right? So it doesn't prevent you from actually finding truth. It doesn't prevent you from searching and finding, you know, what is what resonates truth within you. It just tilts it in a way that makes it much more difficult. Right. So
0: human beings are designed to find the path of least resistance. Right. And I felt this way for a while. Like whenever I try to really do some research on something, it's like I get the same thing all the time. And I don't know, you know, as a person who went to college at the time when you had to like go to the library and find a book and read an article, search all
1: those journals,
0: (laughs) and search all those journals, Right. And now, like the top five come up. But we don't know if the top five are up there because they're the most accurate or the most well done or the most scientific.
1: And, and you know what? For the most part, you can guarantee that it is actually driven by some type of ad.
0: Right. And that's the part that is off kilter. You know, this this tilt so to speak, where you can slide downwards and just fall into a pool of whatever information is in there. And that's easy versus having to climb and get to something tougher, which is the whole point of taking risks. And the other thing is when you're in the pool that you fall into, everyone's in there with you and they're saying and believing what you're hearing as well. And so it sounds correct. It it creates a world that is very geared for us to believe what it says. And there's nothing in us that says, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. Until you climb up a little bit and then you go, wait a second.
1: With that saying, are we saying that it is much more difficult to have a healthy relationship today? Yes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is more Mm -hmm. difficult because there is so much around you that is, that's easier to get your attention, to give you attention, there's so much more that is readily available than your partner in front of you because you have to actually work at that and you have to work at it together. It's not like, you know, when you need attention from your partner, they're going to be right there and willing and able to give that to you. No, it's something that has to be, it's it's a balance that you have to strike together and sometimes they're not going to be there for you.
0: And it's even more than that because sometimes you have to grow or work through something to attach at a new level. It's actually some work, right? It's not just what do you feel like today? Okay, I'm gonna meet all your needs. Right. It's like I I think we're out of whack or we need to spend more time together or whatever that is.
1: Who wants to do that? (laughs) Who wants to work at it to get to the next level, right? And and, you know, there are times that we're working with couples and you know, maybe they'll reach a new level. And they'll feel really good, and we're like, "Oh, wow, this is great." We feel a lot more connected to each other, and then they start on this upward climb to the next level. And then it 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 kind of dawns on them that it's never ending, and then it feels like, is it always going to feel like this? Is it always going to feel like a struggle?
0: I don't know. Does working out always feel like a struggle? Does it ever get to a point where you're like, this is awesome. And I can just do the same thing over and over again and maintain the same level of health.
1: Well, I remember asking, you know, a personal trainer, hey, does it ever stop hurting? And he's like, no, never. And, and like, this he's is a, a bodybuilder. Yeah, <laughs> total bodybuilder. Like, no, it never stops. So, yeah. And, you know, it it's just so tempting then to, to not.
0: Yeah, there's no risk. But, you know, no risk, no reward. Right. And relationships, if you think this is kind of a crazy idea, look at your kids, look at how you interact with your kids. Can you get your kids to sit down at the dinner table without a phone for an hour? Can you have a conversation with your child about just anything or would they rather tune you out? And I think it's natural for kids to want to tune their parents out, but they used to tune into their friends and now they're not tuning into friends, not, not in person and not the reality of that. And I remember being a kid and, you know, when you go outside, something would happen. Something would happen that would accidentally come into your world and you would create a whole experience around it. You know, like maybe you found a bunny or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden that, that added into whatever game you were playing or something like that. And, those things don't happen unless you put yourself in a place where you're bored and something can bump into it. And I think that's what social media is masterful at doing is saying, Oh, you're bored. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And it's all surfacey. There's no real depth to it. There's no actual connection, although it feels that way.
1: There is this massive reward mm-hmm. with little perceived risk yeah and i say perceived because it doesn't seem like there's much of a risk you know if you spout off your political opinion out there right and you you feel like you're kind of protected you're behind your screen you're not in front of an audience saying this out loud but as we were talking earlier there is a risk that is happening little by little. It is that small, subtle changes that are occurring that's shifting you in one direction or another, changing your perception, changing your belief system, you know, changing your actions ultimately. And we are not fully aware of it. And so as we continue to tune into receiving that reward, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, and we are not aware of these subtle changes in our perception and belief and actions, it starts to create more of a divide between the people in front of us that we actually have to work hard at and having a healthy relationship. And it moves us closer to the people that are just gonna think like us, they're just gonna believe like us, right? And that there isn't any work that really needs to be done in order to have a relationship with, especially if we're getting all of this attention and all of this reinforcement and reward.
0: I'm having this thought in my head of like ordering pizza and I want pepperoni, and you want Canadian bacon and pineapple, and now it isn't just that you have a preference and a different taste than I do. It's that people who eat pepperoni are better people than people who eat Canadian bacon and pineapple. So it's like our our differences of just really subtle things are turned into like Judgements. an agenda. Like it's personified. Right. And it it there's no reality basis to check it out. So then we become the per- pepperoni people versus the canadian bacon pineapple people and there's all this dichotomy about why one is better than the other and you hear this all over our our culture whatever it is that you know people like and it really is as simplistic as pepperoni and canadian bacon and pineapple and then they extrapolate that into well you're a vegetable person or you're a meat person or you're this or you're that and that means that you don't care about this or you do care about that and it it's it's so globalizing for something as simplistic as, I don't know, I just like pepperoni on my pizza. I'm not a good or bad person because of that.
1: Right. I mean, it superimposes judgment Mm -hmm. and it becomes something that defines you versus just a preference that you have.
0: So now I have to hide at night and order my pepperoni pizza in secret and feel shameful about that because somebody might judge me.
1: I am not shameful that I like Canadian bacon and pineapple (laughs) on a pizza. It's very delicious and refreshing.
0: And you're Polynesian, so.
1: Well, part Polynesian.
0: (laughs) You know, and I think the the intolerance of that, you know, they were talking about the algorithms that they come up with to put in front of you the next video that you would 99% want to click on, right? And it looks like all the other videos. It was funny when, when our kids were younger, it was before social media, and I would choose a movie. <laughs> and everyone was so scared when I chose a movie because you know it was gonna be way out of left field, right? It was probably gonna be something with subtitles, something that, where did I even find this thing? And that to me is really interesting because I I love to learn new things, and I love to be exposed to things that make me think in a different way or might give me another little puzzle piece of finding out what you know this world is about and who I am, and that type of creativity. And the funny thing is, I think all all of us in the family quote those movies way more than other things, but there's no opportunity to bump into things like that because. It's so hard, like the other day you picked up your phone because you wanted to look something up and we were trying to have a work-free day because we haven't had a work-free day in a while and you instantly, like, there was a message and you were starting to respond to it, you know, and it's like, that's how easy it is. It's so easy just to pick up your phone and 30 minutes later, whatever you picked it up for, you didn't even get to because there's so many things vying for your attention.
1: You can fall down that rabbit hole so easily. Because you have so much there competing for your attention. Mm-hmm. And with each app and with each algorithm, it gets more and more difficult. I think that was really one of the scary things you know, that they talked about is the fact that these algorithms are getting better and better and that they know what you like, what you don't like. They know whether you're lonely. They know what you do at night. They know everything about you. And every single time you use it, it is fine-tuning the model of you.
0: And it's putting in front of you what will soothe you most specifically in that moment. Because it knows, oh, when you felt like this before, here's what you craved. Right. And so we're going to give you that right now because we know you're feeling that.
1: I-, I think it's really like difficult to try to figure out your partner. That you've been married to for how many years, and trying to figure out, you know, what they like and what they don't like, and you know what what their needs are. It, it, you have these supercomputers and thousands of programmers that are working day in and day out to fine tune you, to constantly pay attention to you, and to know you. And you can't compete against that. You're just one person. You know, and so are you going to sit there and spend all your time and energy on trying to figure out your partner, figure out who you are as a person too, and how you fit into this relationship? Or are you just going to turn on your phone and, and let the supercomputers give to you?
0: That reminds me of like being in a relationship with someone who is artificially intelligent and they're going to do exactly what you want. And so if you want to go out for dinner, they're going to be like, let's go. I'm all ready for dinner. Or if you want to watch a movie, like I'm up for that. I'm up for this. There's no resistance. There's only the perfect other person who constantly compliments you and takes care of whatever need you have and whatever like or dislike you have in that moment. And they never offer any type of rejection or criticism or challenge to be something different, which is not the way a relationship goes. Right, The relationship goes that you each have your own set of how you were domesticated, what you like, what you don't like, and, and trying to understand each other and yourself in that process, which is a constantly evolving thing. Who would wanna do that? Oh, that sounds like a lot of work and it sounds very painful
1: it it is a lot of work and at times it is painful but the rewards are something that you cannot even calculate and it it seems like it is so much easier to give attention to the the next bright shiny thing that's in front of you because it feels good in the moment but it is short-lived and it is not real and you know we're not <laughs> we're not sitting here from some pulpit preaching because just like every single person in society we struggle in the same way to try to figure that out ourselves and you know even though we knew and have had an inkling as to you know how our devices you know, all media in general—not just you know social media, but TV and and everything—affects us and draws away our attention and you know pulls away our resources that we should be be giving to our partner and our families. This this documentary just was a another reminder, you know, of how important it is to stay vigilant, you know, and stay aware. And to make sure that you are finding a balance in where you are spending your attention and spending your resources. You know, we're not saying completely get off of social media, even though there are some people in the documentary that said said to t- completely get off, right? Completely remove all of social media. We're not saying that, but what we are saying is pay attention.
0: If we're looking at our own journey, I would say that a while ago, uh, because we do challenge ourselves to do these 40 day spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for one of them, I decided to give up. Uh, you know, for me, social media is not as big of a draw as the games on my phone. (laughs) You know, like I can't spend hours on social media. It does not interest me that much. And I think now I know why, because I'm not giving them enough information to dangle things that they're Mm -hmm. still guessing at me because I'm not, I don't give enough but i do to you know playing you know some some of my games i like to Wh- play on my which phones. is the
1: same concept yeah, uh-huh. because you know in the middle of your game i've seen there's an ad that yeah. pops up mm-hmm. for another game or you know some shoes or whatever it is and so they're they're getting your attention right. and keeping mm-hmm. it you know in order to sell you something
0: right and so when we do these 40 day practices i would really think about where is Where's the the areas of my life where I'm distracted, not paying attention, and giving away lots of time to something that's not giving back to me? And so I would I would give those up for forty days. And I noticed I would read more books, I would meditate more regularly, I would exercise more. I would go create. Maybe I'd do a puzzle or paint a painting. And it, and then during those forty days, I felt better. I felt less on edge, less. Um, of that bubbly, exciting thing that you kind of feel when you're, and like you're not being shocked all the time. And then I would, of course, the four days would go over and it slowly build back up again and maybe we would do it again. And so we have been working at this and trying to understand ourselves of this process long before this came out. And I think it created somewhat of a divide between us at certain points when one of us felt more strongly about not being on our phones than the other person. And I, when I was giving up those things for those 40 days and you were not, I made a deal with myself that whatever you were doing on your phone, I was just going to sit and wait. And it's really interesting to watch that, to watch someone else be on their phone and how long it takes them to actually put it back down. And I really wanted to not, like pull you from that but just to observe all of it and it is very fascinating to watch how our brains work and I think we both got to a point in our last 40-day practice where we gave up our phones for one day one day a week right right We, we not so easy
1: no no it's not you know especially if your your life is tied to your connections online it you know, how do you differentiate? And, and that's what makes it really difficult. You know, uh, a lot of people are working from home these days. And, you know, so when you get a notification, is that work? Is it social? You know, what is it? And it, it is so intertwined now, it makes it much more difficult. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And so one of the questions we ask a couple very regularly as we're working with them, but absolutely the first day we meet them is how much time do you spend together quality time without screens in a week. And 95% of the couples say
1: less than an hour.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Less than an hour. And we're always looking for that number to go up because we know that's a barometer of connection in a relationship. Are you sitting out in the backyard, you know, doing some stargazing or having a glass of wine or sitting by a fire and just chatting are you exposing yourselves to new things you know did you go bowling did you go axe throwing did you go find something else in the world to discover and do that's new because we know those are the behaviors we're looking for to for people to feel better in their relationships long before they can ever get to their problems right and really the couples weekend intensive is designed really to drive a lot of energy towards that type of connection towards spending time together not being distracted and really figuring out how to have a new experience and we're taking out some of the boredom so it's easier for people because we're kind of helping them learn how to do that and those are the things that lead to us feeling happier safer secure less anxious more connected in the world.
1: Think of it as a re-infusion of energy in your relationship, especially if it has been depleted over time.
0: And for people out there who are single, especially teenagers, it is so hard to date a real person. It is so hard to be strong enough to be vulnerable. You know, you're Your pool of people to choose from is endless with a swipe, 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 swipe. It's endless. And you just become a thing on someone else's screen that they may or may not choose to like. There's not that other essence of it. You know, those, those chemical connections that we instantly make when we're in the same room with someone. And we hear that all the time. When we interview a couple, how'd you know this was your person? I knew right away. You don't get that feeling that that instant tethering or bond from a screen and so it's really difficult especially during covid how do you like bump into people like that you don't i know it's really sad
1: you don't i feel really sad for for people who are dating right now these days
0: but even even pre-covid teenagers have stopped dating 20 something year olds have stopped getting married i mean it's our level of trust and security in each other has gone down significantly, which is hurtful to us. It's we, a sad way well, to. Well we
1: see it on a global basis. Mm-hmm. you know the, the level of distrust is really high. People don't know what to believe anymore and what is truth and what is not. And so da- down to you know, the microcosm of a relationship, it would make sense yeah. that there's more of a divide and a disconnect and lack of trust. And a lack of connection.
0: You know, I, I see this now that I'm in my mid-50s. I'm not mid yet, right? I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> that some people around me, maybe within 10 or 15 years older than me, they will live their lives in this way that is like going out to eat, drinking a lot, having fun, Uh, not getting proper sleep, blah, blah, blah. And then they run into a health scare, right? And they may be pre-diabetic or they may have some other heart conditions or something. And all of a sudden they start paying attention and they start, they change their diet and they change their exercise and they dial back some of the drinking and they look great and they feel so much better. And you can see how easy it is for us to repair ourselves And to come to a better place of health. And it's not easy or fun. And I think it takes something like a health scare to go, I better pay attention, or I'm literally like killing myself by what I'm putting in my face. And I'm certainly not um, innocent of that, right? And, you know, when you're at this age, those things become more and more permanent. That's like becomes your new thing you have to live with. You know, your body hurts a little here or there. But when you start working on it, you feel better. And then you're like, oh, those aches and pains are gone. And I don't know if there's an ache and pain here that would naturally stimulate someone to say, you know what, I really, really crave real human connection, a real drive to make the effort to go outside and say hi to my neighbors or to try and meet a person or you know, even when you and I are fairly social and during this COVID time, I really crave it. I mean, because we live just the two of us in a house. If we're not out with other people, this is it. right? And, and there's no new information or someone else to listen. And, you know, you don't have all the same interests as I do. And I don't have all the same interests as you do. So it's nice to talk to other people who might appreciate some of those things. And that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Just that real, I guess it's tribal connection. Like if we're going all, all the way to that, you know, we are designed to care about a few people.
1: Well, what we've been talking about here kind of highlights the fact that this is a subtle change, and so it's very hard to recognize, you know, that you have gone down this other path, you know, unless you have some type of a pivotal moment, and that's kind of what you're alluding to is this shift, right? You know, that person facing the health crisis, it's a pivotal moment, a shift that they have to make now versus... Little by little, this dwindling connection that you may or may not even notice. Most often, you don't notice it. And maybe it does take something that's pretty drastic or severe, you know, for you to wake up and to say, wow, I have kind of fallen far here and I need to get back. I need to connect more. I need to, you know, really appreciate the relationships that I have in my life right now, you know, and so. We're not trying to be all doom and gloom, but we are trying to help you have a pivotal moment and really take a look at, take a step back and look at your life and and be like, is this where I want to be, right? Is this where I want to be spending the majority of my energy and time on, right? And where am I giving my attention?
0: I would even say that you have to realize that you're not choosing so much, as much as you think you are, you're not choosing right. where you're giving that attention to when you're on your phone. The phone is, what do they say? It is manipulative, seductive, and something else. Like it is it is actually coming after you as a product.
1: It's calling out to you. It
0: is calling out to you. Right. And what they say, there's a funny thing that said, only uh technology and drug... Illegal drugs. Illegal drugs call someone a user. Call their customers users. Users. Right. (laughs) And so that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. It's like, come aware. And one of the greatest ways you can do that, and this is a challenge we would ask you to try, you know, do one day, you know, technology free one day and, and see what you feel. Observe yourself. Right. Or, If you're really brave, give it a week.
1: I would have to say, Mm -hmm. and because, uh, I'm going to say this, because I've experienced it. If you feel a resistance to that, that just the thought of being technology free, and I'm not, not just your phones, but, you know, TV, just computer, put it all down. If you feel a resistance to that for one day, there's already a problem, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Yeah. One of the other changes that I think we've made that has been really impactful for us is we don't keep our phones in our bedroom anymore.
1: Right, right.
0: So when we wake up, we pay attention to each other, maybe the dog. You know, if the we, uh, if the other one's still sleeping, maybe we're going to read a little bit.
1: We, we actually had to get one of those digital alarm clocks. Yeah. <laughs> right, because we were using the phone as an alarm clock. But now, you know, a traditional alarm clock. Mm-hmm. And it is a very different way of waking up.
0: It's very peaceful. And it gives you that time in the moment of waking up to plugging into yourself, thinking your own thoughts, feeling your own feelings, and making some decisions about your day before it starts. Whereas before, you would be down the rabbit hole within the first minute of waking up.
1: Oh, don't kid yourself. Even if you haven't woken up, and even if you didn't pick up your phone, just the buzz of it gets you going.
0: And wakes you up even. Yeah. That might even be your Just wake up. Just
1: it, sitting there vibrating you know, on your nightstand, that starts your mind going. You start thinking about who is it, and where it is, and what's going on, and all of that, and you're already gone.
0: You know, and here's the excuse. What if there's an emergency? Oh, yes, yes. What if somebody needs me? What if there's an emergency? And let me ask you this. When's the last time that happened? Because if there is actually a real emergency, there's plenty of other people answering their phones that can take care of those emergencies much more readily than you, especially, I mean, our kids live in different states. It would take us a day to get to them anyways. But there is not so much of that as we'd like to imagine. We like to imagine our phone keeps us safe and that it protects us from emergencies. It just informs us. Right. It really doesn't change much. And that's the excuse I think that we sell ourselves with. I have to have this or it's not safe. And you're no more or less safe just because you know something, but you give up a lot. So that would be the challenge, you know, um, one day electronic free, Maybe don't keep your phones in your bedroom overnight. And if you're really brave, you know, try a whole weekend or a week.
1: So we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships and this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, or would like to be considered as a guest on our podcast, please email us at contact For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, as well as our online community called Connections, look us up online at couplesynergy.com.
0: And if you get a chance, you can watch the documentary that inspired this episode called Social Dilemma on Netflix. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening.
1: Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love.